Is now the time for your office to purchase an electronic health record system? You are listening to the Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Robert Lovis, Senior Editor for Medical Economics Magazine. Bob has reported on the medical profession since 1988, covering everything from HMOs to end-of-life controversies. He now specializes in practice management issues and writes the magazine's Infotech Bulletin e-newsletter. Bob, welcome back to the show. Hi, Dr. Casca. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Uh, I saw your name again on the cover of Medical Economics, and recent topic I think you were talking about was the EHR jungle. Yes. First of all, why are you calling it a, a jungle? It's a jungle because there are so many options and considerations and caveats to consider. Buying an EHR is now being linked to government policy. It's being linked to pay-for-performance programs of insurers. It's still a relatively new technology, and there's all kinds of ways to set up an EHR system. Even the, the name. Right. I was just going to ask, when did, it, when did we go from EMR to EHR? What's the, what's the difference? Well, I've counted about 20 different terms over the years that are used for this kind of software. The difference between an electronic health record and an electronic medical record is this. While they have been used as synonyms, you know, interchangeably, the electronic medical record, now it refers to the system that a doctor would use in his or her particular practice. The electronic health record is a more comprehensive one that would include information from a hospital, uh, an insurance company, a lab, other doctors, and it may be maintained by uh, a network of providers. And, of course, the federal government wants to create a national health uh, information network, which would, in a sense, create uh, an EHR for a patient, which would draw upon uh, the computer systems of providers all across the country. I do have an EHR, and the hospital I work with has a different EHR, and other physicians uh, in the next suite over down the street have a different one, and none of them talk to each other, Bob. So it seems like we're still years away from a true national EHR where everybody can talk to each other, like you know, digitally. That's ex- that's right, and that's a concern of the federal government. They want doctors to have interoperable EHRs, systems that can talk to one another, and so they have worked to basically encourage a certification. The C shit. C chit. C chit. Excuse me. The C chit. What does that stand for? The what does it stand for? C chit stands for the Certification Commission on Healthcare Information Technology. Is that something a company can just buy their way into, or do they have to actually uh, live up to certain conditions? Well, it does cost a pretty penny to apply twenty eight thousand dollars and. It costs the company hundreds of thousands of dollars just to program their software to meet the requirements. Uh, CCHIT has hundreds of requirements. There's a lot of teeth and a lot of substance in certification. If you were a doctor out there searching to find the right EHR, would you even bother looking at one that is not CCHIT certified yet? I mean, that seems uh, like you'd be making a poor choice. It's a good question. Many doctors in very small practices can't afford the products that have been certified because they tend to be a lot more expensive, maybe three times as much as the ones on the lower end of the spectrum. 
so I wouldn't blame a doctor in a small practice for going with a, a, a non-certified product. If you're in a bigger group, you have more sophisticated needs. You have other computer systems that you have to integrate with. Larger groups are bearing down on products that are certified. They are paying attention more to that criteria. But the, here's the thing, Dr. Caskell. Uh, the federal government is going to make certification a, a requirement for all kinds of Medicare payment provisions. For instance, there's a pilot project right now where Medicare is going to pay doctors for using EHRs in quality of care testing. I think ours offers that. It's, uh, I think it's called the PQRI. Medicare will pay us a certain fee every year for just doing a few things with our EHR, and, I, and we haven't taken advantage of that. Here's the string that's attached. They're only paying you if you have a certified EHR. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a certified EHR, you don't qualify. And you may see that as well with other legislation that comes down the pike. There's talk of Medicare making EHRs a requirement for a participation in the Medicare program, and they're going to tie it to certified programs. Bob, what do you see as some of the major benefits that doctors actually gain from having one of these systems in place? Well, I like to think of the medical software here, the electronic health record program, as like tax software. There are so many different things that are automated. The program is more than just about storing information. It's about managing it. And it's also about things like clinical decision support. You can have a system which reminds you that your diabetic patient needs his or her yearly uh, retinal exam. These reminders are, are so important. You can't expect a doctor to just stay on top of those kinds of needs, uh, either using his memory or a paper record. Right. It's not like we're brain surgeons or rocket scientists. <laughs> we're not that smart. What about remembering all the bad drug interactions that could occur when you are thinking about a prescription for a patient? A good EHR system will tell you, hey, there's a problem if you prescribe this medication when you have a patient on this medication. So that's a, a godsend for doctors and, and lowers their malpractice risk. Absolutely. It, it covers everybody's behind. Everybody benefits. Bob, how many people have gotten their EHR? What kind of market penetration have we seen? Is it 30% of doctors have them now, or is it even higher than that? No, it's, it's not even at the 20% mark. If you look at the EHRs that are considered fully functional, that meet the CCHIT requirements, the kind that the government wants you to have, about 12% of doctors have those. And if you look at the other systems, if you add those in, the ones that are not as functional, you might be getting up to close to 20%. And those adoption rates are a lot lower in small practices. In the large practices, you'll see a higher adoption rate. Bob, would it make sense to you to just wait until... It's mandated and that the systems do talk to each other and the prices come down and there's a clear winner out there before a doctor plunks down, let's say, $100,000 on a system. I mean, what, what is the urgency? Well, you certainly can beat the government to the punch. Instead of doing something last minute, you can get a head start. And certainly many doctors have reaped great productivity benefits. Sure. True, there, there have been doctors who have been dissatisfied with their systems. They've disinstalled them. But I have other doctors tell me, hey, I'm getting out of the office at uh, 5, 5.30. I have all my charting done. I'm uh, coding more accurately. I don't need 
as many employees. I've converted my record room to another exam room so I can see more patients. I can uh, do all kinds of things that I, uh, I wasn't able to do before with paper records, and I'm not going crazy looking for lost records. So there are so, a lot of benefits which can motivate a doctor to do it now. All right. Well, that's the answer. That's the answer I was looking for. Is there an existing pressure that's coming from the government yet to get the doctor to do it uh, or his malpractice carrier or somebody saying, listen, the time is now. You got to do it, buddy. It's starting to happen. Now, President Bush said back in 2004 that he wants an EHR for every American. He probably didn't say it that clearly. (laughs) Who cares what he wants? You're right. But, you know, there's a bipartisan bill in the Senate which would require doctors to e-prescribe for Medicare patients. According to the bill, if they don't e-prescribe, they take a pay cut. Mm -hmm. Now, that's really going to be more and more the norm. There's a uh, health system in Massachusetts which told its doctors, its primary care doctors, you have to have an EHR or, or you have to leave the network. And Most of the doctors went with the system, but about a dozen doctors had to leave the network because they didn't want to go paperless. Mm -hmm. So, yes, the ultimatums are coming. Minnesota is making EHRs a requirement for doctors by the year 2015. And then you have some insurers and some malpractice carriers who are giving doctors more of a positive incentive. There's one malpractice carrier who is knocking off three or four hundred dollars off your malpractice premium for having an EHR. Well, that's nice. Bob, have you seen a lot of local hospitals incentivizing their physicians to get the computer by paying for it without violating Stark laws? That's a very good question because there's been a change in, I guess, the federal view of how much hospitals can help doctors acquire EHRs. Before, the anti-kickback regulations and the stark self-referral regulations basically prohibited hospitals from helping doctors acquire this technology. But then about a year and a half ago, the the feds changed direction, and now a hospital is able to subsidize 85% of the software cost for a doctor, and hospitals are starting to do that. Have you come across any groups where they already have gone out and gotten their software or hardware and then say to their local hospital, hey, can you help us out here? Yes, that's happening. I've come across that over the past six months or so. So it's worth a phone call to the hospital saying, what is your current program in terms of helping us out? That's exactly right. Bob, what about uh, hooking up the EHR to labs, national labs, local labs, And the hospital, again, is there this interconnectivity problem? That lab connection is probably the most important connection after hooking up to the pharmacy. And in either case, the best place to start is to go to your EHR vendor and find out whether their program is designed to hook up with either the pharmacies or the major labs. And there's a different story for each. Right. So the keyword there is interface. Do you guys have an interface ready right. with Quest, with LabCorp, right. with Walgreens, with Osco? With the pharmacies, there is a group called the Pharmacy Health Information Exchange. It covers most pharmacies. It's set up by a group called SureScripts, which is a pharmacy industry organization. And basically, EHRs need to 
interface their software to this big network that the pharmacy industry has created. And if that interface exists, then a doctor can send a prescription from his computer or her computer directly to the pharmacy computer. It's not a fax. A fax is not a true e-prescription, by the way. It has to be a machine-to-machine transmission. Well, Bob Lovis of Medical Economics Magazine, thanks for coming on and trying to uh, untangle the EHR jungle for us. Uh, It's always a pleasure to talk with you. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, and you've been listening to The Business of Medicine on the Clinician's Roundtable. If you'd like to comment or listen to any of our library of podcasts, please visit our website at reachmd.com. Once there, please register with the promo code RADIO, and you'll get six months free of streaming ReachMD. You can listen to 24 hours a day, all day, all night, at home or at work, and thank you for listening.